Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Jeff Sire, and with me today is Julie Keel. Hello. And Mike McPeak. Hi, everyone. So today we're going to be talking about the movie Source Code from, well, I didn't even look, it's 2011. So the uh, IMDb synopsis is uh, an action thriller centered on a soldier who wakes up in the body of an unknown man and discovers he's part of a mission to find the bomber of a Chicago commuter train. That's, uh, and you kind of see that over and over yeah. and over and <laughs> over again. What did you call it, uh, Mike? You called it's it like, Groundhog's Day crossed yeah. with, the, what, The Matrix or Inception? Uh, minor, uh, minority Report. Minority Report. Yeah. There you go. Because it's kind of, I mean, Groundhog's Day, yeah, the, the looping thing over and over. But then Minority Report, sort of, because Minority Report was uh, precognitive. In other words, uh, preventing crimes ahead of time. This was one crime had been committed, but they'd saved the after effects of that and was using that to then try to analyze who was going to pull off the next crime or the, uh, the next bombing. So they were searching for clues in there. But, I mean, it, you know, the, the theory being that they were able to save I can't even get into the technical, uh, you know, mumbo jumbo that they had, but basically it had to do with what quantum <sighs> physics. And yeah. and yeah, they had a line there. Yeah. I can't remember it now. I think but, the the quantum idea is that every time one of these decisions gets made, a different universe is created. So they keep going back to this this these same eight minutes, and they keep kind of. Uh, forking the tree you know like each time they're creating a new branch because he's doing different things and they're trying to find the right combination uh, or the right thing to prevent oh the god explosion of it's the github anyway <laughs> versioning okay. oh lord it, truly it is i never thought of that until you said forking that's exactly what it is we're gonna go yeah. this way we're gonna d- run this code no it didn't work let's reset it back to oh yeah exactly and and well, there's a bunch of programmers out there going, now, we get it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> the problem is is that, and well, we'll get to this. Let, let me back up just a little bit. You described uh, the, the technology or the science behind it as quantum physics and parabolic something, I think it was. Um, but they also described it as the afterglow of a light bulb connected to the... Uh, electrical fields in the brain that don't quite shut down immediately upon death, um, which is just bizarre to me. But it, I mean, okay, yeah, sure. Well, uh, you know, they didn't describe it, you know, in detail. But what do they rush in there, grab the first smoking skull that they see that may still have a little bit of, you know, uh, life left to it, and then hook it up to a machine to try and extract yeah. that? That's uh, kind of like, what I'm yeah. not like. I didn't. I have to admit, I didn't rewatch this this time. I saw it maybe about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And where do they? Where are they getting this eight minutes from? Like, did they? Well, that's my bottom line question. I mean, has this happened or hasn't it? Because it's if it's happened, how can you make it not happen? And that technically, spoiler is the end of the story. Is essentially they made it not happen. I think that. I think the way it works is that there it it has happened, but there's another bomb that's some that's associated with the bomber, right? He's got the second bomb, and the whole idea is that they're trying to figure out from these eight minutes where the next bomb is, because in their reality, this explosion has already happened. But then by the end of the movie, he actually changes reality 
so that the the bomb on the train never happens and that the people that are running the experiment even though they succeeded in their point of view because the the train explosion never happened well this experiment's failed this is right up there with inception as far as making yeah. my brain hurt yeah, that's what I tweeted out last night. Was yeah, it's not time travel, but it does make one's head hurt. Yeah. Now, did uh, you know? Did they stop? Did they? No, I you know I took it as they created a a second reality, an alternative reality. Um, I took did, it as they created a reality every time they ran the program. Well, that's, yeah. That, see, that's where I think the quantum thing is that every time they they do it, they're creating a new reality. What? Yeah. <laughs> but but at the same time, that doesn't stop the other realities from from existing. They are they all are continuing to exist, right? Yeah. So yeah. So, so because the yeah. idea with with the whole quantum thing is that um, when a quantum event occurs, uh, it it occurs and it doesn't occur at the same time. And the, and the fact that that event happens means that the entire universe splits into two at that point. And in one reality, that quantum event happens. One, you know, say it's, it becomes a positive, let's say it's a quark or whatever, becomes a, a quark with a certain spin. And in the other way, it becomes a quark with a different spin. And that's the quantum event. And those two universes are now continuing to exist in parallel lines going on forward from that reality. And let's throw in fringe into this mix. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, it still I, makes my head hurt. So, it doesn't make any like, sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's really cool. Well, that that goes back to I can't I have I can't remember who said this, but the uh, somebody it was a quantum physicist said that anybody that tells you that they understand quantum physics doesn't understand quantum physics. Right, yeah. Like, cuz even the 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 people that are working in that field and the recognized experts will say this is something that intuitively in our brains doesn't make sense. The, yeah. Well, uh, it, and it, and you can't really ever get it. <laughs> well, Good. It's Schrodinger's cat, isn't it? I mean, uh, in yeah. the the box. I well, mean, Schrodinger's cat. Now that's Schrodinger didn't agree with quantum theory. That's something people don't understand. Schrodinger came up with the whole idea of the cat to demonstrate how stupid quantum theory is. But it just kind of took a life of its own. It was like, oh, yeah, this is perfect. That shows how it works. And he was like, no, this is me. I'm showing how dumb this is. Because the idea is that the quantum event that he uh, dealt with was like a, a disintegration. So if you have uh, something that's radioactive and you know that in it um, in a ten minute uh, in a ten minute period, one disintegration of this material should occur. So, like one atom should decay. So, what he says is, after five minutes, there's a fifty percent chance that that because that disintegration is a quantum event. So, after five minutes, there's a fifty percent chance that that event has happened, and you've got a device hooked to it. So that if that event occurs, it will release poison gas into the box and will kill the cat. So because the quantum event – like after five minutes, you don't know if this event has occurred. So what state is the cat in? And quantum theory says, well, until that's determined, until until you've looked and examined it, both events – are continuing to exist. Both ex- events exist in our, in our realities be, until you determine which one has happened. So that 
idea means that according to quantum theory, the cat is alive and dead at the same time. Wait and, a minute. And Schrodinger is, his whole point is that that's is stupid that you can't, you can't take a quantum event. Quantum event is, is stupid because the cat can't be alive and dead at the same time. Jeff, thank God you're here. You've created a quantum duality <laughs> where I understand and I don't know crap. <laughs> I mean, that made absolutely perfect sense and I don't understand it. I mean, yeah. well, I, I shouldn't say I don't understand, but it, it's one of those things that makes your head hurt. Yeah, does, it's, does, yeah. does this theory, does anybody know, and, and take this back to source code too, do each of these realities then continue to persist and go on in their own future? I mean, do well, we have- the idea with Schrodinger's cat is that when you open the box and you de- – so you determine what, what event has happened. So you open the box and the cat's alive. So that means that this disintegration hasn't occurred. Well, that means that in another reality, there – because of the quantum theory, there's another reality where that disintegration has occurred and you open the box and the cat is dead. Okay. And, and both of those universes are existing at the same time. Okay, so opening the box has no effect on – the all all that does is it call, it's called it collapses the equation or whatever it collapses the event into it determines what it is it, it it's it, you've made the determination as to what has happened and until you make that determination both events have to kind of but does ins- one stop is my no, question no no that's the that's the point is that they don't stop just just that you've determined which reality you, you're in you're in yeah yeah and there is another reality where that person has opened the box and the cat is in the other state. Right. So th- taking that back to source code, all of these times where, yeah. you know, okay, oh, now here we go again. I was going to take notes and I missed the most basic one. What's the guy's name? You know, uh, he's, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Christina was the girl. I remember Walter that. Stevens. That's, Walter, the, that's, that's it. The, uh, the, the helicopter pilot. Yeah, and it's uh, uh, and Kevin. Take, is it Kevin, his alter... Ego. Anyway, um, but yeah, he he in in several then of these realities, he's a complete asshole um, because oh, spoiler alert or explicit tag because he's you know uh, beating up other passengers and pulling guns on them and you know that kind of stuff and 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 only two well maybe more than two actually at the beginning realities does he get killed um, and then only one reality does he essentially continue to live on. Yeah, like I I really really like this movie, and I think like, I think Duncan Jones is becoming this guy who's like who kind of he's one of these directors that he gets sci-fi because this is one of those movies that when you dig into it, it hangs together pretty well. Yeah, it, it, and like the the more you dig into it, like this wasn't just kind of like okay, I'm going to give this a surface sci-fi treatment and then do whatever I want. Like this. Right. He, they, this is a movie that kind of follows its own rules, right? Right, and and it's one of those movies that you can sit there and watch and go, "Hey, that was really good," you know, love story or whatever, or hero story or, or military story or whatever. And then you sit and think about it for a day or two, and it's like, "What the heck happened?" You know, yeah. huh? What is the what psychology? What physics? What you know, brains do that? You know, what the heck? You're like you were talking with the with the parallel realities, you know, and yeah. I, to me that is some of the best sci-fi that makes you you know think and, and go what well we well, talked about uh, uh was it old man's war uh on the show like quite a while ago i think we we have done old man's war haven't we I no uh-uh. oh we haven't oh uh-uh. okay well uh-uh. 
in, in that when they talk about the ships jumping, it's in one of the books. I can't remember which one, but the, in one of them, they talk that each of the jumps that the ships do are quantum events. Forever War. Uh, no, no, no. This, this is definitely Old Man's War. Okay. And each time the ship does its jump, like it's faster than light jump, because that's a quantum event, they're they're ripping up the they're ripping up time and space. And they, and, and they, at one point, they're having this conversation. Is like, oh yeah, there's now. Because these guys have been in the military for so long, they said there's there's hundreds of thousands of copies of us. Because each time we jump, we're creating different realities, and then those guys, those copies of us, are going on and creating different realities each time they jump. So it's you know, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> my brain can't handle infinity; it just can't. Uh, no. Well, and you know, to give yeah, you know, like I say, you're talking about the director to give him his due. Uh, he constructs a world that's believable enough. That you know, like you, you can believe it, but he doesn't go into such depth that you can sit there and then start to pick it apart. Um, he get he gets the perfect balance there that you know yeah. you you can believe the science without having to completely understand it. It makes the story work. Yeah. And this is the same guy that directed Moon. Have you guys seen that? Mm-mm. No, but I was looking That's, into it. I followed. It's the, really like, good as well. Yeah, it's it's another it's it's very this it's a completely different story, but it's another one that. Uh, it, it kind of it follows its own rules, and uh, he, he's like I really think he's a director that he has a well, very firm grasp on what uh, sci-fi. is And all let about. me clarify: when you say it follows its own rules, meaning it's internally consistent, it's not making up its own. That's rules. that's completely uh, yeah. well. I think in each each story you're telling, you kind of have to make up rules, but well, he, he yeah. follows those rules that he's made up. But he's sure. not making up rules that you know two blades of grass equals a dinosaur. You know. No, no, uh, you're you know. right. Yeah, like he obviously like source code. Uh, they keep showing this this same thing over and over and over again, and the changes that he's making and the kind of the rules that they lay out for how this device is working. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he follows those. Like, it's not like one of those things. And all of a sudden they, uh, you know, uh, I can't, I don't know what something like, springs you know, out of the ground yeah, and saves them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And even at the very end where you could argue, he's got a chance to break his own rules. He really stays within those too. It's, yeah, see, even though it's a that, happily ever after, it's a happily ever after I, within the rules. Yeah, I, I like I like the ending of the movie, but I think you can also kind of uh, say that that's where he kind of breaks down in that the whole following his own rules thing. Because, well, does that guy continue to exist in this reality, or uh, is he like? Uh, I read when I was getting ready for this, I was reading some. You know, people, different people's takes. And one guy said, well, maybe the guy is actually in heaven, but heaven looks just like the world that he's been in. Well, define heaven Which, however you want. You yeah. Know. <laughs> so, but, yeah. Whatever. Heaven is where you live after you've died. Okay. Yeah. He's but in then, heaven. Yeah. How do you send a text from heaven? Right. He yeah. did send this text back. So, yeah. yeah I didn't know that uh, you could get like, uh, you know, data plans in heaven. So, but did he do that before he jumped? That yeah, like who knows? Yeah, see, that know. gets a little weird there. Yeah. That that text yeah. um, might be. Well, no, I don't know. I yeah. Well, because is he was... already in a different parallel dimension when he's on the train? Yeah. Well, well when I... you when you were watching the flashbacks, or they had the that that one sculpture. I forget what it's called. Yeah, the uh, one in Chicago, the Millennium. Uh, oh, the. the... 
thing, yeah. Yeah, and that kept showing up at different flashbacks, and that's where they ended uh, the show was underneath uh, underneath that. And so that there was some question about, again, you know, kind of the reality thing. Is this a, a, a forking? But how would, you know, in previous, um, you know, reincarnations of these eight minutes, would that be showing up there? Yeah. So that raised a whole bunch of questions there. See, and that that's – I didn't even know if uh, – see, I almost wondered if, if the whole thing was maybe just like a computer simulation or something. Well, that was the argument. Where, where, yeah. But but then at the end, like the, it, it can't be a computer simulation because that, that's like – that reality continues on. Right. So that didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like it was it, – it's definitely a, a movie that, that makes you makes you think – about uh, makes you think a lot, and at the end, I didn't feel disappointed that I'd been they no, kind and of it, pulled the rug out from underneath me or anything. And so. it's the kind of thing we can sit here and debate it for well an hour, which is probably what we're going to do. <laughs> um, but we have a habit of that. But you also aren't going to solve anything, and there's probably no right answer. And like you said, even the quantum yeah. physicists probably they we're going to talk about it for an hour. They probably talk about it for a year. You know. Um, it just it's it there is no answer it's only well, questions and it was a satisfying ending it wasn't like the famous episode of Dallas where oh it was all a dream and <laughs> ah, that, you sons of bitches basically <laughs> yes um so yeah it's a satisfying you know um does it answer all the questions no but i mean you do walk away yeah the girl the guy gets the girl you know they're happy in their little reality that they're created in the other reality the bomber's getting what's coming to him lives are saved um yeah it's it, it, it makes you feel good and uh let's say you're satisfied when you're done yeah. You, you know the eight second or eight minute thing. Um, by the end of the movie, oh, this thing is filled with spoilers, left, right, and center. If you haven't seen it, um, the, this is so uh, unlike one of our normal shows. Oh, I know. Yes, <laughs> um, the uh, the soldier has been dead for two months. Yeah. Right. But well, they've gone uh, through eight minute scenarios. I I don't know. I didn't count five times, half dozen times, something like that. So. What happened for the two months? I mean, I'm confused. I don't know. Well, he wasn't quite dead. He's on life support. They're keeping basically his brain alive. Right. Because uh, when they get to the end of the movie there, you see that it's just basically a torso. Yeah. Uh, very so, little for limbs. And, uh, you know, his skull is cracked open with wires hooked up there. As so you I say, think, that's not my definition of life support. That's yeah. that's something else. Well, yeah, not life support, maybe brain support. Yeah. Uh, they have to keep it functioning because, you know, somehow this is the mystical uh, little piece that makes this all work, that he can process this source code. Apparently, what, he's similar enough to the guy that they harvested these eight minutes of memory from so that he can get in there. They can, what, put the source code, as they call it, yeah. into his brain and how do did it over that, and over. How did you guys envision that happening? I don't, I, to me, that was the one gaping hole. It's like, okay, you have this dead soldier, essentially, um, wired up, and then you have these eight minutes and some sort of memory from this other person that you are slipping into their body. And where did you get that? Because the guy apparently got blown up on a train. That's how come you know that you need to do this. 
Yeah. So, well, you know, and what I'm envisioning is I guess they found this head there and go, hey, let's hook this up and see if we can, you know, suck something out of it. You know, yeah, like I said, they didn't get bogged down details, which would probably be fine because right. they tried to explain right. that they would have spoiled it. But, um, you know, so it's left up to your imagination. So, like I said, they're probably, yeah, the guy got blown up it, time and time again, looked like he was always in the line of fire and he took it. You know, pretty hard. So what I'm envisioning is they found the, the you know, the brain, or maybe there's a torso there, still barely alive, and one of the agents, you know, ran it off to the facility quick because you know, the, even though it seemed to be top secret, there must have been somebody there that know that knew that something could be gained from this. So they'd have to take it to the facility, hook it up, you know, do their memory dump. I guess basically is what it is. Take the those eight minutes out of his brain, or you know, his last remaining eight minutes of his life and and put it in to a must be because they kept talking about wiping his memory and then you know, or starting over again right yeah. and the, the thing eight- that i didn't get was um the okay it's eight minutes of this one guy's memory right but that guy apparently has memories that can encompass the whole train because this guy is going and doing things that the original guy didn't do but yet he, he's able to do those <clears throat> In that memory, whereas you'd think he, well, he should only be able to remember this one small section of the train. Well, he's going to the other end of the train and he's doing right. all this other stuff. And well, he's we, also remembering things from the soldiers' past. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're doing both. You've, you've got oh, the mind meld thing going on. That's, that's Back to like Star an, Trek. Uh, that's an interesting piece of trivia in that uh, when he, he takes the time to call his father, Mm-hmm. Did you guys see who played the father? Who's whose well, voice that was? I, I found it out uh, as I uh, yeah. when I read IMDb. Yes. Oh boy, <laughs> it's Scott oh boy. Bakula. Yeah, from really yes. yes, Scott Bakula from the Enterprise. Well, <laughs> well, um, I think, think Quantum Leap. I think is is more uh, 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 is I the reason recall. why yeah. everything goes back to Star Trek. <laughs> yes, but okay, I think Julie. for this one, <laughs> yes, Quantum Leap was much more. Yeah, uh, yep. Oh, yeah, I guess I never. Yeah, I mean, I loved Quantum Leap when it was on TV, and yeah, uh, you know, now that I think about, it, yeah, there's the ultimate kind of joke in the whole thing is that uh, the ultimate, you know, not ultimate, but one of the first people that kind of popularized uh, uh, time travel and you know hopping around in your own life was Scott Bakula. So yep. yeah, he was the voice of the dad. That's Easter egg. Know, yeah, yeah. Interesting. And I didn't recognize this voice when I saw the movie. I didn't know that until I, this week when I was Well, now up. that you say it, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. But, yeah, I, didn't, I, I too didn't recognize it when I heard it. But now that you say it, it's like, yeah, duh. Anyway. Yeah. Um, the, the, we, there's so little <laughs> known about what's going on and what... How they got to this point? I mean, how do they even know? Uh, the the yeah. multiple realities just makes my head just going to meltdown <laughs> because I mean, how do you know you have to target this train well, if it hasn't blown up? And if it's blown up, how can you stop it from blowing up? And uh, another well, the- uh, another quantum thing that they don't have in this movie, but uh, I, I see. You guys, we're going to melt melt your brain, Julie. I know uh, it doesn't take much. Do you, guys, do you guys know what entangled particles are? Oh, sort of. Okay. Sounds are, painful. These, these are two particles. They're quantum particles that I don't know how they entangle them, but they, they interact with each other and it links them. So it doesn't matter what distance these things are separated by. Um, 
like I know they've done experiments in the states where they had one in somewhere in California, the other one in a lab in like Boston. So they 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 entangle them physically at one point and then they separate them. And the same thing, like these these things are consisting in multiple states at the same time until you examine one. So they they haven't examined them. They separate these particles, and then the one in San Francisco or wherever. Then they examine. Okay, what is it? Oh, it's a you know top spin quark or whatever the particle is. And as soon as they determine that, the uh, that's what the other one is. At, yeah. And it's not at the speed of light or anything. It's instantaneous at the at the exact same time. That's what the other one becomes. I know you talked about it on here once before, and I don't remember which episode yeah. it was. I, I want to say Ender's Game, but that doesn't seem right. Well, I know because they've talked. It could have been Ender's Game because uh, that's one of the things that they've talked about for uh, if if you could somehow use that for a way to communicate across huge oh, distances. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, that was it. Yeah, yeah. You were, we were talking about instant communicate uh, instant communications because yeah, even if you send something at the speed of light from a distance away, it would still take. Uh, right. a, a time for it to get here, right? Yeah. Light years worth. Yep. So, I think that that melts my brain. Like I, I know. know. <laughs> uh, yeah, there wasn't a lot of tech in this movie, but the no, tech oh. that was there, you know, you really have to wrap your mind around it. Well, and some of the tech, and this has come up actually frequently in in the, our past few episodes, is the the tech of psychology. Yeah. You know, the way that they were. Um, Manipulating would be the word. Um, the soldier to re- do this mission repeatedly um, when he was disoriented and and you know focused on other things and and they actually got him to complete it su- successfully too. I mean it worked. But um, see that's a, a, another kind of uh, well I don't know maybe more ethical and psychological. But like definitely if if you're in the military, when does your Commitment enlistment period line. end? It, yeah. It, doesn't end at death. I thought it would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently not. Yeah. You, you, know, you brought up the ethical part of it. Yeah. And I was sitting there kind of thinking, um, you know, how much control uh, the government has over individuals because, you know, that the uh, guy in charge of the uh, operation, you know, made a deal with him to let him die once this was done. But then he decided, no, he wanted to keep him around so that they could do more. I guess, you know, his idea was. Motivation would be for the greater good, uh, or ego. That too, yeah. Uh, like I say, his primary or his out exterior motivation was for the greater good. But yeah, privately, I'm sure it was stroking his own ego. But you know, what point? Uh, how much control do we let the government have over individuals? I mean, we're kind of seeing this play out in real life. You know, with our security and. You know how, what the government is doing to eavesdrop uh, on us and everything, and it does bring into question, you know, how much control should we let the government have for our our safety, and, and what to what extreme should they go? And you know, everything goes back to Trek. So for me, it went back to the needs of the one outweighed the needs of the many. So at least at the end, the the choice that the again I should have wrote the names down. Um, oh, got yeah. too enthralled in the movie; it just totally sucked me in, and I forgot to take notes. Um, but the the female uh, officer that was uh, um, Colleen Goodwin. Thank or, you. Yeah. Yeah, Goodwin. Goodwin. That's it. That was um, directing the mission, basically. Um, you know, she had to to make some. Some choices at the end there too, um, yeah. and in the alternate reality, you know, uh, 
she didn't, you know, I, I'm assuming in the what we call the, not the real reality, the first reality maybe is what we call, you know, I'm sure she got punished for pulling the plug on, you know, that guy and letting him die. But in the second reality, uh, she's kind of the key uh, linchpin to, well, in to the, what? In the final reality, she may be the only one, and this, I don't know how this happens. I mean, again, this where my mind just starts to warp. I don't know how you would know that there was alternative realities. I mean, they either existed yeah. or they didn't, but she, she apparently had an echo or a premonition or a deja vu or whatever you want to call it of um, what had come before and the fact that they had avoided a catastrophe and that somebody... Save the world, I yeah. guess. So, <laughs> um, and she wasn't how, letting how, on. How do, you, how do you sell that to people, though? Like, yeah, you don't, yeah, which we is why she walked away. Nothing happened, you know? well, yeah, and you don't, which is why she walked away and said, oh, no, I'll stop by again later. You know? So, and, and, and you, I mean, my brain's trying to wrap itself around how much did she, how much could she know? I mean, if it didn't happen, it didn't happen. So if it didn't happen, she didn't have to save him or kill him or whatever you want to say. Um, you know, so it didn't, I mean, it didn't, anyway, I'm confused. My brain hurts. Okay. Need um, more podcasting juice. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if there's enough for this one. But. Yeah, there really isn't. Well, and, you know, and the nice thing is, you know, there is no hard, fast conclusion. So I think whatever you kind of want it to be, is the way it can kind of end up being. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing where, you know, you could go back and start really picking it apart. And those are the best movies in my or stories, don't, don't have to be movies, where you can go through and watch it first time through and go, hey, that was a good movie. And then it starts to get under your skin, and then you go back and watch it again going, oh, yeah, look at that. I totally missed it the first time. And then you go yeah. watch it again going, wow, that was – did you see how they handled that? And then, wow, um, you watch it another time, and it's like – my God, I've watched this thing like a dozen times, and I still never caught this little thing, you know. So, what um, you mean is it's a movie we can nerd out on? Definitely, and and uh, we can revisit in a future episode if we want to, because we can just pick a different reality to to talk through, and you know, we'll be Ooh. good on that. <laughs> I, don't know, uh, I don't know if it's on our list, but there's a movie called Primer that uh, I've seen that is, it's probably about the best time travel movie. That I've ever seen, and, and and the more you, it's it's one of those ones that the more you watch it, like, like there are layers and layers yep. and layers of stuff, and the more you watch it, the more you notice little things in the background that like, oh my god, yeah, yeah, it's very well thought out. Yeah. I, I, I've heard of that one, and I've been meaning to kind of look into it, and maybe we will have to explore that and see. We should probably, you know, make a point to watch that. This is this is more kind of this. Folks, this is the kind of conversation to go on after the show normally. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we, we should probably arrange to, to watch that ahead of time. And then, like, because as soon as you finish it, it's one of those movies that, like, I think I should watch this again yeah. <laughs> right away. Yeah, you, you need to see it a couple of times to fully kind of grasp. It, it's not an easy movie to, to kind of digest the first time. It takes a while to think about. And well, there's only we'll- uh, 29 uh, different uh, movies, books, TV shows on our list, so hey. Yeah. Well, let's give it a little while here so our brains will quit smoking, then we'll re-engage them again and try uh, try this, because every time we do the alternate reality thing, or time travel, whichever, yeah, like I say, uh, Julie said it you know, several times, our heads start to hurt. Yeah. But it does sound fun, though. 
You know, one of the things that was interesting in source code to me, we kind of hinted at it, but it truly was kind of the lack of technology. Um, Nowhere in the, in the, um, what do you call it? In the forks? (laughs) Um, Do, do, is there any sort of, the, the only thing he brings with him is knowledge. Yeah. You know, and and so it's not like they say there, there was one time where they said there's a gun on the train, but other than that, there was no nothing like you know oh, um, to to defuse the bomb, do this or to uh, they did say that there was a you know the bomb was set off to uh, it, 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 in timing with a freight train that was passing by in order to make the biggest boom possible. Um, so it's probably somebody who can see the freight train coming so and there were 56 calls so again they gave them little bits of information but there was never any other than knowledge i mean and and whatever background skills as a sole helicopter pilot um he would have brought with him yeah it it seems like if you got the fate of the world resting on your shoulders you might want to you know go in with more than a train ticket and a cell phone (laughs) but i think they it wasn't like they targeted this event. It, it, it's, I think that they had the whole system in place, and they were just waiting for an event to occur. And it's just like, okay, that morning they had this train explosion. Boom. This whole thing goes into, uh, goes into effect. And that's, that's when they start running him back and forth. And that could be why he was around two months, too, and yeah. not right. put into use until yeah. – okay. So, what, so I think the whole, you know, eight minute, eight minute, eight minute, like that just, that took place over like an hour and a half. Right. One, one particular morning. Which was interesting because they got, um, they, you got the impression that, well, you certainly got the impression, it was very explicit that they were running out of time. They had to do this quickly. You know, you get your eight minutes, yeah. come back, catch your breath, go again. You know, it was not like take eight minutes, oh yeah, take yeah. an hour, chill out, you know, get something to I, eat, fine. Because yeah. I think that's the point that they, it, they, this, Initial explosion was horrible, but they're trying to prevent the second terrorist attack. All right, whatever the guy was going on with the van to do, because they knew he was, they knew there was something else coming, and that was what they were trying to figure out. Yeah, the right? dirty bomb in Chicago. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, in I'm, the original, in in reality, Prime, the train blows up, and downtown. Chicago can't blow up. Do you think downtown Chicago blew up too? Well, yeah. If the no, if they I, had, I don't think they got to that point. I don't yet. think so either. So some. I don't. I don't think in any of the realities. The dirty uh, bomb goes off. Well, sorry, because they never ran the clock far enough for for us to see any of those realities happen where that dirty bomb actually detonated. True. Yeah, the eight minutes was at the end of the train blowing up, and if yeah. the dirty bomb happened later, we weren't around to find out. Well, if they hadn't tried to uh, affect the timeline to try and intercept uh, the bomber, then it would have gone off and, uh, yeah, downtown Chicago would have been uh, destroyed. You know, I'm just trying to picture what this memo going out to all the governmental agencies look like. In case of a terrorist attack and you find a head laying around somewhere, please pack it up and send it off to, you know, our, uh, you know, secret base somewhere. Yeah, which is like within... 
I don't know what sort of stuff goes on south of the border with you guys, but your black <laughs> helicopters and your guys in their black suits with their skinny ties. And, oh, gosh. Uh, don't even go there because our state is raising its hand to become a playground for drones. So, anyway. Hey, well, our, whole con- our whole country has said drones are A-OK with uh, us. You know, there's some truth to that, though, too. Yeah. I, I can it, see in Canada I, how that would, would fly, literally. But... but uh, up here, it's not surveillance. They're, like drones have been okay for, well, it's not like we've been using them forever, but they've they've been commercially yep. a viable okay thing, like mining companies and yep. stuff like that. They, there's no problem using them. I was going to say, um, running uh, like maintenance on uh, power lines, um, yeah. pipelines. Well, you guys Railroads. don't have enough people up there, so apparently you have to have drones to cover everything. <laughs> well, plus everything. it's 40 below yeah. zero half the year. Well, so, yeah, that's you know. true. Who wants to freeze or took us off? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you had to do, do inspections, a visual inspection of a power line once every three years by law, I would prefer to do that by drone. There's no or, mosquitoes. Yeah, sitting in a nice warm uh, you know, bunker somewhere with uh, a joystick and you know, a video screen in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be my way to work. Yeah. See, I think... Um, when it comes to drones, like we don't kind of have the baggage that you guys have because uh, you haven't like, blown anybody up with them. Ex- exactly, <laughs> right? Uh, so, haven't targeted civilians. Yeah, so it's been you know. Well, why wouldn't we? Sure, that's a great thing. You yeah. Know? yeah, it's like those little helicopters you buy at Radio Shack. They're cool, man. Yeah, but yeah, the the. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that, which brings me back to the, the bomb on this train. Um, you know, speaking of drones, I'm surprised they didn't figure out a way. So they're tapped into the guy's brain. I'm surprised they didn't figure out a way to put an optical feed back to the, you know, the watchers. So the good one could have, you know, been there like a drone. Yeah. Um, it would have been so much I mean, the more eyes on the on the you know situation well, always helps. Well, it seemed like they had some sort of an optical feed at least one way because when um, the, the the helicopter pilot was talking, he could see uh, the Goodwin character when he but, was in the capsule. He called right, it right, yeah. right. But I mean, uh, there was a few scenes where they looking at from Goodwin's perspective, all she saw was text on a screen. So I think she was, you know, communicating with him, and all he was doing was there was just like text coming back. I don't think there was any audio. You know, that's that what that was. Okay, because that explains the very end. Where right. it shows the the monitors and it, it basically was you know it was text messages back and forth, um, saying you know let me die, Goodwin. What did it amount to? I can't remember the actual yeah. words, but well, I the, thought that was weird at the time. I was thinking that was weird. It's like why would you send it? To, why are they transcribing this? But perhaps that's all there ever was. You mean yeah. it didn't have enough money for text to speech? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> no webcams their, allowed. Their budget ran short. Yeah, FaceTime. Oh. Interesting. Oh, um, huh? Interesting. I don't think we. Ha- I don't think we have any more tech to uh, to cover. We've pretty much uh, squashed the life out of it. Yeah. 
you know, like I say, you did a pretty good job with the, the quantum you know, theory and that kind of stuff. So like I say, uh, quantity-wise, you're a short on tech, but quality-wise, there was a lot of it there. So. Yeah, like if, uh, if anybody that hasn't seen this, uh, like I would recommend this to anybody, really. Like it, it's not even uh, – like even people that are in, aren't into sci-fi, like if uh, you're listening to this and your spouse isn't uh, especially a big sci-fi fan, like it's uh, – it's really a movie that pretty much anybody can get into. Like, well, well, yeah, you could certainly sell it as a bit of a love story. I mean, yeah, yeah. I was going to say there's that nice little love story where with the guy and the gal there. So, yep, and, and uh, kind of suspense thriller. Yep, you know, mystery a little just, bit. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> seeing as there's only one tech <laughs> in this, would you guys ever want to kind of relive a situation and then then keep kind of tweaking it? I do all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I always like to say I'm part Lutheran. I always kind of, you know, I always go back and reevaluate everything. I should have done this differently. Um, yeah, so I already do that all the time. So, no, I don't think, you know, in real life, you know, uh, you know, unless I can go back and with, you know, knowledge and change the situation so it comes out to my advantage. But otherwise, no. Yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking of the people that were interacting with the tech. Would you want to be Goodwin? Would you want to be um, oh, what's the guy's name? Uh, the soldier, or the guy, the the manager, or the researcher behind it all? Uh, you know, the one person I don't want to be is the researcher behind it all. Oh. I'm not even sure I want to be Goodwin. I'm, I was leaning towards her, but it was like you know. She's kind of got a burden there that I think I think I want to be the soldier that eventually is allowed to die slash live on in some alternate reality where, you know, everything works out. Well, sort of a, a reality that he's created. So there is yeah. a certain empowering uh, aspect to that that, you know, you could kind of tweak your own reality. Well, that I, was a, a line from the show, too. He says, do you believe in, in fate or was it destiny, the word he used? But she says, no, I'm more of a, a dumb luck kind of gal. And it's like, you know, after he said that he was going to go back and save the world, which he essentially did. So I, I, I did like with that, that ending. It's kind of like, oh, and they live happily ever after, except for the guy whose body it was in the first place. Right, yeah. What happened to that poor guy? Well, now and now in this alternate reality, you have this teacher being occupied by this soldier, and how does that work? Because does the teacher not have a life? Because, yeah. you know, whatever. What about his, what about his wife? Yeah. <laughs> you never did get the, any details on whether he was married or not. I guess I didn't look for a ring or anything, but it there was never any talk of a wife yeah. or family or anything. And he was essentially flirting with the... Christina on the train, so hmm, maybe we just discovered why some people suddenly their personalities suddenly change. Maybe they they come from an alternate timeline. I like this story and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Jeff, how about you? Which one do you want? Hmm. Technology role? I I'm kind of I, I think it would be fun to just kind of uh uh, go to be able to go back in your life and tweak something and change it and see. But I would always want the option of like, oh no, I, I kind of like the way things have turned out. You know, uh, I want to uh, stick with what happened. I, I don't, I don't want these changes to be irreversible. Right. I want them, you know, to be flexible. I think okay. we all have those moments in our lives when we wish we could go back and, yeah. you know, change something. Um, you know, no matter how important or minor. 
it might be. And, the, you know, it does seem rather tempting to be able to go back there. You know, if I'd only said or done this one particular thing or maybe if I would have turned left instead of turned right or, you know, whatever. Uh, but then, you know, then you have the whole, well, I guess you, you'd be creating a whole different reality. I mean, it's kind of like the going back in time thing. How does it affect if you change that, how does it affect things going forward? But Right. Oh, Lord. There, I no, just that's watched, a whole other uh, hour. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> I just watched uh, The Flashpoint Paradox, uh, which is like a, a Justice League animated uh, movie about The Flash. And the, the Flash's mother dies uh, when he was a child. And he says, you know, I, I love to change that. So he goes super fast. He breaks the time barrier. He goes back in time. And he prevents his mother from dying. And... He finds out like the world is horrible. Yeah, like yeah, just yeah. just the fact that he prevented this one thing from happening has led has you know made this these horrible changes down the road. The wings you know. of a butterfly, the city on yeah. the edge of forever. Yeah, it's a wonderful life. All all of those play into that. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> well, not well, so. So I think we're better off not being in control of our own destiny. I was going to say, let's just oh. stick with this reality. That's yep. hard I'll, enough to deal with, huh? I'll continue spinning out of control. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you have a direction. <laughs> yes. All right. So that wraps up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can check us out at sci Uh There's also some cool junk available for purchase on the uh, site, and Julie wants you to know that hoodie weather is fast approaching. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. Um, If you have uh, ideas or comments, please send them to Sci-Fi Tech Talk at gmail.com, and reviews on iTunes are always welcome. So, Julie, where can people find you? You can find me uh, on Twitter most of the time, at Julie Keel, J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L, and links to my other blogs, podcasts, and whatever else I've got going on can be found um, at about.me slash Julie Keel. And I should mention that, t- speaking of reviews on iTunes, we have gotten a few reviews on iTunes. What? I huh? know. Um, isn't that frightening? And, you know, they've been, like, good reviews. And that's just, you know, the check's in the mail, apparently. So uh, <laughs> let, me, let me just uh, share um, one or two here, or give a shout-out to them. One of which came from Mark Shepard, our friend Mark Shepard. Um, he says he got sucked in, and it's a wonderful conversation and a fascinating listen. And uh, a gentleman named Art Vandelay, um said that it's something <laughs> that's been missing on iTunes. So there you go. Oh, and, and Geeky Brian, the most recent one. Um, sci-fi fans talking about sci-fi. He called us nerds. Huh, isn't that cool? <laughs> All right. And our Canadian friends are letting me down. They are not <laughs> representing. There are no Canadian reviews on the Canadian iTunes store. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. Don't. Don't. All right, Canadians. Yes. You've been called out. has been thrown down. You bet. Okay, so, Mike, where can people find you? Yeah, I can be found on Twitter at DSC Chipman, and I have an about.me page uh, with all the the stuff I have my fingers in, and that's at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's M-C-P-E-E-K. And people can find me on Twitter at Bronco Sire. That's S-Y-E-R. And uh, they'll probably, maybe in the next week, I'll I'll have to enter a uh, 
a uh, iTunes review myself under ours under the name Guy Gadbois. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it for the show. We'll see you in the future. Quick, 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 quick,